Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everyone. I'm Scotty Conley, a.k.a. Scotty the Body, and this is the Border Podcast with Scotty the Body. For the last 20 years, I've had some type of role in the skateboarding industry, including my time as a sponsored skater, many years working at Skate Park of Tampa, and my current job at the Border. So, in the midst of this current pandemic, I decided to start this podcast so I can catch up with some old friends I've met along the way, and we can talk about the past and present with highlights in my beloved hometown of Tampa, Florida. So sit back and enjoy. Uh, all right yes what's up everybody i am back the podcast lives on and before i bring in today's guest i have a few things to go over with you guys out there in podcast land uh, first off, a little update on what's going on in my life. I just wrapped up another two-week road trip with uh, Grammy Award-winning artist Lil Wayne and the Young Money Skate Team, a.k.a. The Squad. Uh, we all met up in L.A. and then took the trip down to San Diego, followed up by Phoenix, Arizona, and then a nice little residency in Las Vegas. Um, if you guys are unfamiliar with The Squad, go ahead and scroll back in the episode log to uh, November 6th of last year for a little conversation featuring my guys Tyreek Morrison, Andre Colbert, Edgar Benitez, YD Campbell, and Ricky Willis. Uh, I've been having a great time with these guys out on the road, skating a lot more than I skate when I'm home in Tampa. Uh, And these dudes are putting it down for a squad video project we're working on. So hopefully we'll, uh, you know, have something to give you guys out there in video land here in in a period of time. Um, I'm also excited to tell you guys about uh, squad member YD, a.k.a. he he goes by the, uh, in the rap world, he goes by the moniker So Tatted YD, and uh, he recently appeared in Lil Wayne's No Ceilings 3 mixtape, so check out the track Three-Headed Goat, Uh, dude has like a real hard flow, the song is good, and um, I was just super excited to see that drop when No Ceilings 3 came out, just to see one of the skater homies featured on one of the tracks and also shout out to all the homies that we ran into on this trip, man. I was, I was talking in a previous episode about how much I missed seeing all the guys out, out in the world and uh, talk about how I've been feeling. Um, gee, I just, it just made me feel so much better mentally than I have in past months. I was super down. I'm sure like I've been talking about it. You guys know what the deal is. Um, but I was, I was, I'm riding high super like super high off this trip the excitement of skating with friends um seeing all the homies out there on the road and uh you know and and then i get home and it's right back to the same shit that's bringing me down uh my old friend and 
amazing neighbor, my dude Pat, hit me up to let me know uh, that his father passed away and he lived with his dad. So they were both my neighbors. Um, Pat's an old skateboarder, old skate friends, uh, sneakerhead that I just knew for a super long time. Such a bummer. I was hanging out with him and his dad just a month ago. So uh, if you like super awesome vintage gear and you want to help out my help out my boy Pat, he could really use the help right now. Go to his Instagram handle, uh, Pat Doe to Go. It's P A T D O E, the number two, and then G O. Pat Doe to Go. He has a lot of really awesome vintage gear for sale, and he could really use the help right now. And I also woke up this morning uh, to the very, very sad news that uh, a leader in our industry, a skateboarding legend, Sasha Steinhorst, has also passed away after a very hard fought battle with cancer. Um, fuck cancer, uh, man. Rest in peace to, to the legend. Um, that's all I have to say about that. Uh, fuck. So I'm going to try to lighten the mood a little bit, bring in today's guest. He's, he's, he, this dude makes me so happy. Uh, he's such a good friend, amazing human. Uh, he had a lengthy, lengthy career and spent his entire professional tenure at Blind Skateboards. Uh, he might be the only skater that skated to a rap song that was specifically written about him. Uh, he is a lifelong diehard Los Angeles Lakers fan. He was an amazing team manager to the teams over at Dwindle Distribution. And he is now an agent uh, working with our guys, Ryan Clements and George Angel over at Excel Management. And uh, formerly he acted as a judge for us at events all around the world for the border, doing a little less of that, doing a little more of the uh, management side of things. And he is also the owner to two adorable little pups, Jack and Sir Charles. So let's give a warm Border Bodcast welcome. Yes, one man clapping hands for you over a Zoom conference call. We got none other than James Craig joining the show. James, I miss you so much, man. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Scotty. That was quite the intro. It's probably more than I deserve, but I appreciate it, bud. No, you deserve you deserve a whole lot more. I uh, we thank you for jumping on on such short notice. Uh, like I said, I got back from this road trip on uh, Monday evening and realized I was supposed to drop an episode. You know, on, on we drop on Saturdays, and uh, today being Thursday is uh, you know a little short notice. So I appreciate you hopping on. Um, all good, all good, man, all good. Any, anything I can do to help the body? No, yes, squad. That's that seems to be the sentiment of the entire skate industry. So I, I, I appreciate that a bunch. And uh, just start off by saying, man, uh, usually through work related jobs and stuff like that, we probably see each other at, at least once a month, if not every every one or maybe a, a other month. And uh, it has officially been over a year, uh, almost a year and a half since we've seen each other. So I know the answer. The answer for me is an obvious 10, but on a scale from one to 10, how much do you miss my face? 11. I want to give you a big hug, Scotty. Dude, I need hugs right now, man. I need them. Um, Shit. A lot of of amazing shit going on in life, but also a lot of stuff to bring you right back down to earth and and, uh, help you out, figure out what's important. Um, This is is very true. I mean, I think the last time we saw each other was – Tampa Am last year, right? That was the last one. Oh no, Tampa Pro. Tampa Pro. Tampa Pro. Wow. So that yeah, right before, that, was like, that was like a week before lockdown. Like, dude, that was like the last thing that happened. And I rem- like I remember uh, 
Like people were still making jokes about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Utone is super sick. And he's obviously one of my guys. And yeah. he was like, I was like, are you good? And he's like, no Corona, no Corona. I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah, I guess well, he, went, he went to the, he had, he didn't even skate Tampa pro. He actually went to the hospital and got tested and, you know, they just gave him antibiotics and stuff like that. So it was a yeah, little sticky uh, there for a little bit. Dude, uh, I, and, and back to Tampa Pro, it made me so happy to see that they announced some dates for uh, the middle of October. Um, thinking so far ahead, I hope that, you know, I hope we're back to normal by yeah. then. I hope we're, we're able to all get together. Um, you know, well, I, know uh, I know I'll be able to. I get my second Pfizer shot tomorrow. Oh, sick. Yeah, uh, I think they've kind of open the floodgates on everybody being approved for vaccinations over here in Florida. So I'll be looking to get one of those. I want to take my, take my wifey on a proper honeymoon and uh, start making some babies. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Yeah. It's been, it's been a little tougher for me too, because we're currently living with uh, my in-laws and they were both high risk. So I had to be like, just really, really careful. So it's like, I mean, I, I know it's, it, it's a, it's a, tricky situation but the last thing i want to do is like get you know my wife's parents sick and something god forbid would happen you know so i was i really have been locked down yes and um so man uh just like we'd all just want to return to normalcy and i know it's not something that we want to gamble with uh we want to make sure that everybody is going to be safe when we fully open back up, I know Florida doesn't really give a shit, but I was just in California and they completely care. Like, uh, Oh yeah. It's like night and day for sure. I mean, like, see, I see how it's going over there and over here. Yeah. Just like like man. I got masks. I got masks shamed, uh, walking down the street by myself. Somebody yelled at me from a car. Really? Yeah. <laughs> man. I mean, I, I i get it like the rules for in, indoors and all that stuff but it's like if you're outside it's like i mean if all you have to do is a little research and it's it's not that it's not that critical but you know yeah everyone then, has their own everyone has their own policy and what they want to do so i respect yeah. it whatever it is and uh like i said we don't want to gamble with the safety of the people in the world but uh, one place I will tell you about that I would love to see you guys go gamble is uh, the, the, is bet online. Yes, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. NBA is in full swing and uh, college basketball heats up as the schools make their way through the March Madness tournament. Yes, March Madness. The tournament is here. We're at the final four. It's almost over. And so is the hundred thousand dollar Bracket Madness Contest at Bet Online. Yes, Bet Online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds associated with the NCAA tournament, and it's the best way to place your bets. And best of all, it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. I might go put $100 on UCLA just because I like to root for an underdog and uh, you know, if that underdog hits, I'm going to have big money and it's all thanks to the people who let me bet at bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And if UCLA pulls it off and I score big, you best believe I'll be taking those winnings straight to ebay.com slash sneakers. That's right. Whether it's rare dead stock, 
or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box, logo, stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and is customized with the sneaker's details. That authenticity guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. And the best news of all, it's free to sell sneakers over $100 on eBay. And with other sites taking as much as 25%, it really is a no-brainer as to where you should where you should sell your kicks. So be sure to list your kicks on ebay.com slash sneakers and roll in the dough. Yes, that's right. So back to my man, James. Let's dive into this amazing man. So uh, you have lived around kind of the L.A. area your whole life, correct? Um, yeah, Orange County mainly. I've ever really Orange lived County, in LA, all right. L.A. County. But like Fullerton, Bray, Anaheim areas pretty much my whole life, yeah. All right. So is it the, t the typical uh, California story of how skating began for you just because you were like surrounded by it, by the culture, surrounded by it, like California style? Um, I mean, yeah, but my oldest brother, who's seven years older than me, John, um, he skated when we were, were pretty young. He wasn't like super into it, but I remember us having like a quarter pipe in the front yard and stuff like that. Um, and then I think maybe around I was like nine and a half or 10 years old. Um, my brother, my older brother, who's a year and a half older than me, Jeremy, he wanted to get a skateboard because a friend of ours had boards, but they were just super trife. And like, we would like kind of roll around on our knees. And like, I remember one of them, like I couldn't stand up and it had like wicked truck turn. So I had to like ride on my knees. And that was the point where I was like, oh, I got to figure this out. Like I got to, I got to do this. And then the fact that my older brother did it, it's like, you always want to beat your older brother. It's just, that's how little brother. I don't, I don't know the feeling. Yeah. Little brother syndrome. I only have older sister, so I don't know about all that, but uh, I can imagine. I had a couple. I had a couple older cousins that had skateboards growing up, so that led to me eventually getting one. But um, so you start skating, and uh, obviously you get good. You get sponsored. Uh, I know you uh, rode for slash possibly worked at uh, Liberty Board Shop. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like. In 93, Liberty opened. And at the time, the only other shop that was really close was Hot Skates, which was like the premier shop back in the day. This was like, okay. I mean, they had, they sponsored like Jason Lee, Ronnie Krager, like some of the top of the top dudes. Um, but the owner was kind of like a dick. And he would always <laughs> like kind of shyst us. Like there was, there was this uh, reel did these wheels called Real Small Wheels. And they would come in a pack of six because they were so small. This is when like wheels were getting really tiny. Yeah. And take the extra two out and then make another set. So you would only get the four. And it was just like, he was just super shysty. Um, and then when Liberty opened up, that was closer to where we lived. Hot Skates was in Orange. And we, I lived in La Habra at the time, which was really close to Brea. So uh, when that opened up, we just started going in there. And then it kind of became a competition, like, the hot skates dudes would be like, how much are they giving you boards for? And we'd be like, uh, 45. And they're like, all right, we'll give you for 45 with free grip. And then eventually we just kind of took to Liberty. It was like me, Gideon Choi, 
uh, my brother, uh, my friend Rick Ray. So we kind of just all started going more to Liberty. It was a little bit more of a family vibe. The dudes were a little right. younger and kind of like the manager of this dude, Dave Ramos, was just like the nicest dude and was super inviting, really good customer service. So eventually we just became locals. And then by the time I was 15, I was, I was, I was working there. Tight. And then, um, so I know you spent, you, you, uh, you know, you got on blind. Was there any board sponsors before blind or did you actually spend like your entire sponsored career with blind? No. So the first company that I rode for, um, so through kind of castle and, and stuff like that, there was this guy, Mario Martinez, and he started working at grind King. Okay. So grind King was my first sponsor. And then there was like a pretty good group of dudes that all skated castle and were kind of from Southern California. We were all friends. It was you know, me, Luis Cruz, uh, my brother, Jeremy, Robbie McKinley, Ryan Kenrich. We, they, we formed a company called society. So that was like my first, oh, okay. my first legit sponsor was uh, okay, society. Yeah, I remember that now. Yeah. And we, it's funny cause we were just a bunch of little, you know, kids from, you know, wherever. And, uh, the first ad that we had, we took in the Venice pits and Rick Kosick, like kind of like set us up almost so he could take the photo. And then when the, the ad came out, I think in big brother, it was a menace ad on one side and then a society ad on the other. And just the rumor that I heard is like the menace dudes were like, what these dudes are like biting our shit, like menace to society. And like, we're like, no, this is just a coincidence, man. Like, has nothing to do with that. So it was, but yeah, Society was my my first real sponsor, and then from there, um, Mario ended up leaving uh, Granking and Society, and then, you know, I was good friends with Gideon Troy, who got on Blind. And, yeah, you know, we were always skating together, and Craiger was already on, and we were really good friends with with Ronnie as well. Um, and then, so I started getting flowed world boards. Socrates Leal was the first person to ever send me a box from world. Okay. And um, so I got a box and then I just never got another one. And I was like, so like, whatever, probably eight months or a year later, I saw socks somewhere. And I think at the time I was getting like formula one boards, formula one was out of Acme. So it was just, I think it was like me, Luis Cruz and Omar Hassan maybe. <laughs> the most random that was that was the formula one team yeah um they had other riders during different times but at the time that i was on it was just like i think only a few of us and then i saw sock and he was like dude you're not getting boards anymore and i was like no i only got one box and then so i ended up he was like dude you got to come down or whatever so i went down there and, and then you know got introduced to rodney and i think he had seen my tape and gideon vouched for me and um, so I started getting flow blind boards and then I was on flow for, I don't know, that was probably like 96. Yeah. And I was probably on flow for a year and a half. And, uh, eventually Ronnie kind of was just like, yeah, why don't you just ride for blind? I was like, I'm trying to, but <laughs> it's your decision. And I know for a fact he disputes this, but I did, I was rejected by him a couple times. So, and then Robbie McKinley was on at the time. And then, they, they, it was only like Casper, uh, Gideon, Lavar, and Ronnie, and then uh, Robbie got on. So they just they they wanted AMS. So that was my my 
lucky day, as they would say. And I mean, Blind was my favorite company because Guy Mariano is my, my favorite skater of all time. Yeah. And I remember watching video days and it just like changed my life. I was like, dude, a little kid is this good? Like, that's what I want to do. And so at the time it was just like, you know, I got to ride for, for my favorite brand. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember uh, there was definitely a tour that came through skate park in Tampa with that era of the blind team. And I remember missing it and being really, really bummed. Cause I, I was uh, into LeVar McBride at the time, just cause I, just off of uh, just the stuff he had in four on one, the union O square O was destructed. Oh, so we can't skate there no more. <laughs> Yeah, dude, LeVar was probably one of the most talented dudes that I've ever skated with. It's like, it, it was mind-blowing. Like, he skated switch better than most people. It was like, almost like he didn't have a stance. Like, he could skate transition switch, flat bars, like, just anything. Like, yeah, he was a little strange. He was definitely <laughs> a strange dude. Smoked a lot of weed, and, you know, I think that kind of like, I don't know. Might have might have got to him a little bit, but you know. Dude, I think there was a time in uh like where uh when like when I would go to San Francisco, I'd hear rumors that he would just like like show up to skate spots and kind of while out for a little bit and then just like leave and like didn't have a board and was kind of maybe out of his mind a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I, th- I, th- I think he kind of maybe maybe a little too much shrooms or something. I don't know, but he was definitely a, an interesting dude. Like yeah. He, very interesting, but like, dude, on board, it was just, it wasn't even, it was insane to watch live. Like watching it live was like, we went to Christiania and I watched him skate. There was like, there was a bowl that Tom Penny had an ad doing a frontside flip on. It was like a red metal bowl. It was an S ad back in the day. Yeah. And uh, me and Ronnie and LeVar, this was my first European tour. Um, okay. So you're talking about Christiania in, in uh, Copenhagen. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so in the wonderland bowl yeah it was probably yeah it was it it was the first version of that okay um there was and it was just outside like a lot of that stuff like the buildings and stuff weren't even inhabited like it was such a different place back then yeah like the little street vendors were just like there was no like structures or anything like that but we went there and just i watched him skate that thing switch for like an hour and like at the time i I couldn't skate transition. I'm just like a kid from Orange County. Like we don't have skate parks here. We don't have mini ramps, especially in like 93, 94. We didn't have any of that stuff. So by the time I was like going on tours in like 96, 97, I was like so foreign when it came to transition, just watching him rip this thing was, it was insane. Switch grind, switch back tails, like just mind blowing. And it was the first time I ever got to, buy weed in the streets and just smoke it so i was high off my fucking ass dude i I was just in vegas the whole strip smells like weed now (laughs) like it's it's insane like uh like in the touristy zone there's like three like huge weed shops and you just and then people just walk out and light up and people are just on the strip like it's such a huge like shifting culture from the last like 10 to 20 years man it's like it's it's cool to see yeah yeah i mean it's it's come on, man. It's, it's no worse than cigarettes or beer or whatever, you know, it's like, come on. It's and, and I'm, I'm still in the mindset of having to hide. So I'm yeah. still like, hiding. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm like all these people are out in the open. And I'm still like hiding in the alley and people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm hiding. Like, what are we? What are you doing? Like, <laughs> like it's not a big deal anymore. Yeah, it's gonna get decriminalized federally soon, and it's like, for I mean, sh- shit, they just did it in New York. Yeah, I mean, so, it, I think I, it's. Oh, just, I, think oh. it, I think it's stupid of the government because it's like, dude, just tax it, man. There's, it's a billion dollar industry, billions, billions. Yeah. Like, well, just New York is the coolest city in the world, and so people will follow that lead. Like, oh, that's what they're doing in New York. Like, it'll if if they do it in New York, it'll be legal in Japan in a year, <laughs> right? That would be amazing. But um, so let's get back to the skateboarding. Um, what, what was your first time uh, coming to actual Skate Tampa Am? And uh, do you remember maybe who won there or anything cool that happened maybe from your stories of Tampa Am? I'm not sure what year it is. It might have been 97 or 98. It was exactly. whenever they had that big, long rail. It was kind of like a fat uh handrail and i remember dvs sponsored it because it was just plastered in dvs stuff okay. um, but i think 97 or 98 was the first time that i skated it and then the first time i skated tampa pro i wasn't even pro yet it was, it was 1999 um and i ended up turning pro in 2000 but at the time i wasn't really i mean contests weren't that big of a deal so i didn't really get sent a lot what was big back then were those, those tours that you were talking about. Like we would, every summer we would go on a three to four week tour around, you know, whatever the Southwest, you know, I remember there was one, I think on that, that tour where we went to skate park of Tampa is like, we went from Tampa all the way up to Philly. And then um, we had to drive the van back to Tampa. Our team manager left and then me, Gideon and Ronnie just drove the the van back to Tampa because he couldn't drop it off somewhere else because it was too expensive. Oh, but it was just like such a rad time to just to to cruise those areas, stuff that I never thought that I would get to see because, I mean, I was a broke little kid and getting the chance to just see all that shit was super amazing. And then obviously going out to like Tampa Am, I was like at that time I was I was fairly intimidated um, and I didn't really do good at contests. So it's like I don't remember who won. Did Colt Cannon win? Uh, he did win one year. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the year that I won or, or that I went. Uh, yeah. Maybe Colt Cannon won that one, which is, um, I mean, he, he who was else won in like that? It was like that, er- that era of winners was like maybe Colt Cannon. Uh, I think Caswell Berry won the year after that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. And, uh, Spanky, maybe the year after that. I'm trying to remember the year before it might have been like Mike Peterson or something. Maybe. When did, when did Berard win it? Oh, that was like that was in two thousands for sure because he's younger than me. Um, that might have been like yeah, that was definitely like ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine era for sure. Yeah, I think I only skated really one Tampa M before I turned pro. Okay, and then so uh, like you said, you went pro in in two thousand. Yep. And uh, anybody who was skating in that era, uh, definitely had four one one tapes and watched those on repeat. And so, uh, you know, one of the, one of the things that I remember you always saying that like people ask you about is, uh, your, your checkup on in four one one, where you talk about going pro and then immediately having, uh, just like a year's worth of knee issues. Yeah. It was like, um, 
so at, yeah, so I turned pro in 2000 and in 2001, I believe is when I, uh, so the, the, the checkup is so funny because Colin Kennedy did it. Who's like a good friend of mine. And when it came out, I was like, damn, dude, this is kind of depressing. Like, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So basically what happened was we went to go skate this triple set that was like, right, right down, right down the road from Liberty board shop. And it was just like a random day and see was with us. And I was like, ah, I think I could kick with this thing. And I'd never skated this thing before. It was like a two flat, two flat two. And it's real skinny. Um, and I ended up doing one and I was like, I landed on it and I was like, I got this next try. And then the next try, I kick flip and then I go to bail and I put my right leg down and I just felt this really strange sensation of like my knee dislocating. And I didn't hear a pop or anything, but it was just like, I mean, I had never broken a bone at that, that point, I had never really had any major injuries, luckily. Um, and I just didn't know what had happened. And then like, I went to go sit down and stretch, uh, stretch my leg out. And like, it felt like my, my knee wanted to like fall through my leg. Like it was just, it felt like it was just not stable at all. Um, and then, so I didn't tear my ACL on that. Like a week and a half later, obviously I'm stupid and I don't go to the hospital. I'm like, just like, all right, whatever. I'll just smoke weed and chill for a little while. Um, it got super swollen. And then like a week and a half later, I remember like Ronnie was like, Oh, let's go to this place Camelot where they have like putt putt and like laser tag and whatever. So I was like, Oh, fuck it. Like get out of the house and go do something. And as we were like, somehow we're like in laser tag. And I was like, what am I doing? I can barely walk. Like, this is so stupid. And as I turned to go out the door, I just, my knee gives way. And that's when I heard like a big, like a pop, like and it's like the sound is like you know when you have your ears plugged and then something like happens inside your body the way you hear that oh yeah like it was like that but it was like the loudest pop and i was just like oh that's not good and so from that point on like an idiot like a stubborn skateboarder i didn't you know i didn't go to the doctor i didn't go to the hospital and slowly was able to kind of skate a bit and then i had like a knee brace and i was like okay so over that year, I probably dislocated my knee probably six or seven different times. And at the, at the end of like that year, maybe year, two months, like I could literally just like turn sideways and it would just pop out. So it was just like, all right, I got to go get this thing taken care of. And of course I had like HMO insurance and everyone was like, oh, you have to go see this dude, Dr. Warren Kramer. He's like a world-renowned um, orthopedic surgeon. So I go to him and he like checks me out and he's like, yeah, I don't even need to do an MRI. You have a torn ACL, like for sure. He just pulled my knee and was like, torn ACL. He's like, we had set up a surgery, but we don't take your insurance. So I was like, oh, brand new pro career. Do I want to like go to like just my insurance and trust them to do it or do i want like an expert who's used who did like tosh townden's ankles and kelly slater's knees and stuff so i was like all right and so when so you rent the surgery center and you know i had to write a thirteen thousand dollar check before i even had a needle stuck in me and i was like that was all the money i had it was just like i, I mean i was making okay money but it was definitely like I wasn't, I wasn't ready. Oh, for hits, no matter how much money you make, 13 grand is going to hit. Yeah. And then, 
you know, and then, so after that, it's like, I did six months of physical therapy that ended up costing like another, whatever, five, seven grand or something like that. So probably towards the end of that, that period, it probably cost me about 20 grand straight out the pocket. Jeez. Yeah. But I ended up, I ended up, you know, having a career after that, but I just wish that I would have been smart enough to have just gone when I dislocated it because it might've been just been a meniscus tear or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It could have, the, the kickflip could have been the, the, the doctor visit from the kickflip could have been very simple and we'll exactly. never know. Yeah. Hey, live and learn, right? Yep. Yep. And, and so, um, yeah, so you went pro started and then obviously like I would meet you or see you at Tampa pro. Um, I, I tried to look up your results on skateparkatampa.com and it does look like you made the semifinals in 2008. Uh, so that, yeah. I think that, that was your, your best, best year at Tampa pro. Um, but yeah. also uh, you're huge on the weed and huge on the Corona's, but do you have any, hazy memories from those years at Tampa pro. Um, yeah, man. Like it was weird. I used to like love contests when I was a kid, like the first contest I ever entered, like I won and okay. I actually was in the same category as my brother. And he was like, so pissed. And that would made me so happy. Um, but as things went on, like, like I said, I didn't skate. It wasn't that important, you know, like filming and, and video parts and all that stuff was like the real thing. Yeah. And then so by probably like 2007, 2008, that's when I started going back to Tampa Pro. Um, and it was just like, dude, the the most ideal memory is when they would call my name, my stomach would just drop, dude. I got so fucking nervous. And I was just like, why do I get so nervous now? And it was just like, I don't know. I, I think I just built myself into a mental frenzy. Um but a, a, a good memory, I think from 2000, I think it was 2006 or seven. Um, this was in Weiss, it was my team manager. So uh, that was the year that Rob and Big came to film. And oh, okay. he was like, Weiss was like, dude, he's, he wants me to do the nude five. Like, I don't want to do it. Like, it's, it's, it's should never be done again. And I'm like, dude, just do it. Like, why not? And then so he's like, all right, you're gonna have to be my towel boy. And I was just like, okay. Like he was so nervous. Like he was just just slamming Coors lights up on the top and just like smoking cigs. And he had a robe on, uh, the a Yankees hat and some like brown globes or something. And I just remember looking up and like, that's my team manager. The guy who's known for doing the nude five is my team manager. Like, so it was pretty embarrassing but it's also hilarious i was laughing my ass off it uh it it, it kind of keeps the bar like set kind of low <laughs> it does it does low expectations hey. i can just i i vividly remember it was like oh sorry landline oh wait whoa i know i know it, you got a vintage telephone that's that's sick no it's uh it's my mother-in-law's they have uh, um but uh, but yeah, so I distinctly remember when Weiss was getting ready to do it and his wife was there that time too. And I think like, oh, it was awesome. just, it was so random, but he like whips off his clothes, drops in and he seriously pumped like 
maybe 12 times. And I was like, dude, he's not going to do it. Like, he's not going to do it. There's no way he's going to make this shit. He's going to eat shit. And he's going to get, he's going to get his balls ripped off by a screw or something. I was like, just had the worst thoughts. Like, I was like, this isn't going to work. And somehow he just flung that thing around and made it first try. <laughs> and then they threw all the ones. Yeah. And were just like collecting ones. Oh man, it was so hilarious. And when we pops up to the top, he does like the little jazz hands. It was so fucking hilarious. I was like, yeah. it's seriously one of the funniest memories from Tampa that, that, that I have. I, I ended up with like 20 bucks out of that. So I was pretty psyched. Yeah, I think I'm, I think I think I might have got like 35 or 40 bucks. Yeah, I was stuck. Like, dude, some kids, because they, they had the money like uh wrapped up. Yeah. So and, and it was like you could tell they just got it from the bank and it was like brand new money. So a lot of it was still stuck together. So they were kids that literally caught like wraps of 50 single dollar, like 50 bucks. Like they caught yeah. the entire $50 wrap. Yeah, I, I saw that. Another thing I thought was so shocking, but it's so amazing about Tampa is when all the people were gathering around, there's all these little kids in the front. And then a six, three pale ass Canadian dude, Dong, is right in front of them. And the parents don't care at all. <laughs> it's just like, dude, if that happened at a basketball game and a 45 year old man, ran out in the in at halftime and got naked and tried to dunk uh, he, he'd be in jail like any exactly. other sport any other sport like streakers at, at sports games like like you see that stuff and it's like those dudes get arrested and taken to jail and uh some are like even given like sex offender status because right yeah because all your dick and yeah. <laughs> But in skateboarding, it's like, oh, yeah, that dude's one of the pillars of our industry. <laughs> dude. Like, that dude is respected, and this is what he is known for. And if, uh, if, you, if you Google it, there's, like, the best sequence because you can't really see his dick because he squats so much. Yeah. But when he's fully upside down, you can see his balls vertically. Like, centrifugal force pushed his balls higher than his and ass it's fucking even, so awesome even linking that to like something that's happening in the present uh like when we were going through and trying to think of graphics for uh our boy jake alardi who went pro for blind recently um we were trying to think up graphics and i was just like dude if somebody doesn't draw jake and bill doing doubles naked 540s for a graphic like that is a huge <laughs> miss or like Oh my God. We're like Jake on the deck watching Bill do the naked 540 and being like, dude, this is what I have to do to go pro. Like, <laughs> like something like that. Like they're like, they're like, I suggested it many times. And every time I see Bill, I was, I'm like, this needs to be a Jake Alardi graphic. And he just kind of laughs it off. I don't think he'll ever do it, but no, it would he, won't. He, he, he wants to forget that as much as humanly possible but it's, it's impossible i would want to forget it it made so many people happy i know but that's cool he, he'll but, do um, something and then regret it later but yeah so uh the 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 blind team is looking super good now but you you came up in a really legendary era like the crew at blind during your tenure i mean gershon mosley ronnie crager um i was a really big fan of Corey shepherd um i was Love a that. huge fan of evan, evan scheffelbein just because he was always in the 411. Like, he was like one of those like dudes that was in every single chaos section of 411. And uh, he had like a really good style. I really dug his part in What If. And I, I just thought that dude 
should have got a lot more shine than he got during his run. Um, definitely. For sure. I'm not sure if he went pro. I'm not sure if he ever went pro or not, but he should have. No, um, he didn't. And to be honest with you, it's like his and Jake Brown's were by far the best parts in what if Evan was like, he was so ahead of, of the time, even with like his gear and like, all that shit, trick selection, like the shit that like the, was so good. Maybe one of the first dudes I saw like skating in like like nice sweaters. Yeah, and white and pants. Like that. And like cardigans. And uh, he made those DVS Jason Dills look really good. He um, did, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, just like, and it's crazy because like he kind of got the short end of the stick, I think, because when Bill came in and kind of took over, you know, he let go a lot of like, the dudes who we kind of built blind to be like Evan and Gideon Choi and, and, and some yeah. of these dudes. And it was like, it, it's unfortunate. I get that that's his job and that's what he feels was best for the team. But it's like, Evan was going to school at the time and Bill kind of was like, um, yeah, well, are you going to like do the skate thing or are you going to do the school thing? And I think he kind of just let him go because he thought that he wasn't taking it serious or something. I'm not exactly sure why, but it's like, dude, Evan produced like crazy. Um, and, you know, it, it's super unfortunate. It's funny. I skated with him on Sunday. I skate with him all the time. Like I, I, oh, saw, dude, I, I uh, saw that on your Instagram and that uh, what kind of like had, had me uh, had that in my mind to bring him up and make sure that he got some type of shout out on here. Dude, I mean, seriously, some of the some of the shit that he did was fucking so good. Like they went to France. It was funny. They went to France or uh, they went to Europe and it was him, Anthony Acosta and Chris Haslam. And Acosta was still kind of trying to go for the skate thing. So it was like they went to Europe to all these amazing spots and they had to film each other. So I think like I want to say Haslam filmed that line in Paris where Evan does like nollie back 180, switch front 50, 180 out in the line. And it was just like it kind of sucked for him because like the dudes wanted to skate. So it was just like if you took a long time, they're like, come on, man, like I want to skate, you know. Yeah. So, but uh, but dude, he was I think Evan was 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 light years ahead of the game. But um, but he's killing it now. So it's like he's he does uh he works at Vans and he works in the footwear department where they like um, they like develop stories and, and shit for like, like he helped with that, that NJ collab that, that just got dropped. Oh, okay, cool. So, so from, from, from like concept to like execution. Yeah, like that's yeah, sure. He's like coming up with like the whole marketing uh, yeah. vibe of the shoe and vibe of the ads and that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah, he's done some really he's done some he's done some sick stuff. And they kind of like lean on him to do like more of like the core stuff. He does everything like but, you know, it's uh, I don't think it's a job that he ever expected himself to have, but it ended up working out perfectly for him. So, I mean, he's he's got himself a career now. So awesome. that makes me happy. and we get to skate all the time. Like we just go have fun. He still rips so hard. I bet he does. And then um, so uh, going back to like uh, your run. And kind of on the marketing tip, I mean, you had a pretty amazing run of like marijuana and Corona themed graphics. Um, were you like actively trying to be the weed and beer graphic guy? Not or, at all. Uh, like how, so how, so you were not involved with those graphics. You just got the box in the mail and, you, and the board showed up and you were like, oh, tight. Another, another board where I'm, I'm high with Corona's. Yeah, it, it got pretty excessive. I mean, I liked, I really liked like my first board, which was like the munchies board, but that was yeah, all, yeah, of course. 
that was all from McKee. It was just like, he knew that I smoked weed and drank a bunch of Coronas. And, and, and Mark's like a very interesting dude. Like I got to know him uh, pretty well when we, uh, when we worked together at Dwindle for, you know, like eight years or whatever. He's just, he's a very, he's a very strange dude. He kind of keeps to himself, but it's like, once he kind of gets a feeling from someone, like a vibe from someone, he always wants to make the graphics like what those people are. And at the time, yeah, yeah, was yeah. smoking mad weed and drinking beers. So it was easy for him to be like, yeah, this is this dude. Cause a lot of the other dudes, it was like with Ronnie, it was like the mix master stuff. It's like, Ronnie's not a DJ. He's not like into hip hop. He just had to pick something, you know, it was yeah. just like, it was a super random. Um, but he, yeah, he, he pegged me as the, the Corona and weed guy for, for quite some time, which was, I mean, it's fine. Like whatever, but and, it, and would, dude, it, those, it would get those, to, what's that? I'm sorry. Just those, those boards are like, they're hard to find now. And people are, they're like sought after dude. Your, your boards are sought after. Dude, I get hit up so much on Instagram. Like, hey, do you know, did you save any of your first boards? And it's like, dude, I don't even have an original. Yeah. Like I did, I just, I, I never really saved boards. Like my, my, the Lakers graphics with me next to Jack Nicholson, I have all of those, but it's like, yeah. cause that's like my favorite graphic that I've ever had. So it's like, that means something more to me. Um, I had like a, they reissued my board uh, when I was working there as team manager um and that did pretty well but yeah apparently they're really really hard to find because i get hit up all the time about it but i did get i i do have other things like i have some tech decks with it and then at the time like tech deck was crushing it dude, i used to get like royalty checks from tech deck that were like thousands of dollars just out of nowhere i'd be like damn this is tight <laughs> well, um, all right good luck for tech decks yeah, but then they, they made these tech dudes. So they made little action figures of my Munchies board and then the Jive Ass James board. So I have those. And it's like, damn, I have like an action figure like that has like a little skateboard with magnets in the feet. So that to me, that was cooler than just keeping, you know, my board. Because, yeah, and I mean, a, lot easier, a lot easier to hang on to and pack. Exactly. It's like, there's a lot of these dudes like Jamie Thomas, like how many boards do you think he had? Like whatever, before he started selling them, it's like thousands and thousands of boards. It seems like a lot of effort. Yeah. Uh, I always got amazed by board collectors. Cause when I go to see like my boy, like Nick Halkius and see like what he has to do just to store his collection and like have it organized and safe to where like, he's confident, like he's not going to scratch these boards up and like, uh, ruin the, ruin the graphic on these boards that are, you know, could probably sell for a couple grand. And yeah. uh, um, McKee has like, he has all of his boards and there'll be people who like, they want to do like an art show or whatever. So he'll send them the boards and it's like, there's like foam in between each one. He gets them insured for like 30 grand. Yeah. And then just the amount of trust to like, send three boards from your collection to somebody for an art show and like just to make sure you're getting it back yeah it's it's pretty wild i get i was i forget who i was talking to this weekend uh a friend of mine but he was like i guess a, a, a original tommy guerrero just sold like last week for like 17 grand Whew. that's insane wow. yeah that's crazy to think about um but uh, moving along from board graphics, uh, I, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your part in What If. Yes. Um, I think you know where we're going with this. I've asked you about this like personally a couple different times. But uh, how uh, 
how did the James Craig rap song come about? Um, obviously, you had to be down with Murs at some point, right? Like you guys are are friends. Yeah, yeah, we were we're homies. He moved down to he moved to Orange County in maybe around two thousand or two thousand one. Um, and I mean, the way that we met th- those dudes was I was like a huge fan of Living Legends. Okay, and so we went to a show one time. And then we were like buying merch after. And I was like, hey, I work at this shop, Liberty. If you guys want to come by and like get boards or shoes or whatever, dude, like I'll hook you guys up for free. I, I'm yeah. sponsored. I can repay the shop, like whatever. And then a lot of my friends who worked at the shop were also really big fans because we we're just super in underground hip hop. And uh, so one day they all came and it was like the Grouch and Eli and, and, uh, PSC and MERS and all these dudes and I just let them take whatever you know it was probably I don't know 500 to 800 dollars worth of product yeah like, I was just like fanning out you know what I mean I was just stoked to be able to like kind of give back to these dudes who, who I respected and then after that you know MERS kind of kept in contact with my friend Justin who worked at the shop at the time who was the manager um, and he we, we were roommates as well and then so eventually MERS Merce moved to Orange County and then we just like started hanging out a bunch and he's like he's always been into the skate culture and like he used to skate but it was just like rolling around and stuff like that and then he would like come skate with us at the skate park and just like try to relearn how to ollie and and all this stuff and we were just like and he's just a really nice genuine cool dude um so we became really tight and then um so when 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 we're finishing up what if like I hadn't talked to him about it before but my homie Justin, who I lived with, uh, made beats. And so he would like, he gave Merce a couple beats that Merce had previously used and stuff like that. So they had collaborated a couple times. And then, so when my part was coming up, it was like, Merce was always traveling and stuff like that. And he said he wanted to do a song for me. And I was like, dude, I'm down. And then it starts to get to the deadline. And I'm like, hey, dude, should I just like pick a different song? Like, I don't know if you're going to have time to do this. He's like, no. If you use a different song, I'm gonna kick your ass. And I was like, all right, well, whatever. So him and my my good friend Justin collaborated. And uh, I wasn't there when they made it. I, I had never even heard one of the lyrics until it was actually in the video, which was which was pretty crazy. But um, but he knew me well and you know he he nailed it pretty hard on that. And it was like it was a very fine line because I think at the time there was like certain dudes who would rap in there, like who were not the they weren't real MCs, but then they would rap in their parts and then there was kind of a little bit dudes you can say jeremy rogers yeah it's dudes like that whatever um (laughs) there was some there was some 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 you know people kind of looked down upon that so when i did it i was like ah and then at one point i was like you know what fuck it dude like i'm a fan of this dude he's my friend yeah he wants to do this for me like i'm just going to accept it like i'm not trying to be narcissistic or anything like that but I respect this dude. I love his music. I love him as a person. And if, you know, this, this will be something special for me when, whenever it, it's all said and done. So yeah. I get asked about it all the time because it, it was never, it was never on anything. It was never released to the public. Nothing. Yeah. It's just in the video. And you're talking about like trying to like be humble and not be like skate rapper. It's not like you were writing a song for yourself to perform about yourself to skate to. Exactly. Like, like a legend like doing a like blessing you like 
yeah yeah and that's that's the way i kind of like yeah i I thought about it it's and it's just it's funny it's a a funny story like and like looking back can you see it going any other way like skating to another song um like i mean i wouldn't change it like i think i think honestly if he wouldn't have done it i probably would have used a living legend song like i would have used their music for sure like yeah no doubt but the fact that he wanted to do that to me was was pretty awesome so i was like fuck it let's do it and then so uh my my two favorite clips from that part i mean obviously the last trick the the front side 360 heel uh like no one was doing that at the time i think the only other person that i saw do it was like pj lad yeah i i don't know when i don't know which one came out first but i feel like i I saw him do that because i love wonderful horrible life it's like yeah top three part of all time for me for sure Uh, but dude that trick was like i seriously probably tried it fifteen thousand times you went back to it a couple different times right like 12 or 13 times and i would skate it for like four or five hours like hundreds of tries each each time it was like it was just one of those things where it was just like if nobody had a spot or if it was like towards the end of the day and i'm like we'll just look at aaron and be like let's go try this should we go for the 360 heel flip and he's like all right you know and he he battled it out for me that spot was perfect for that trick and you ended up doing it just absolutely to perfection so It the was, one we got fucking counted. It was a full Hail Mary, but it worked out. Yeah. And then uh, my second favorite clip in that part was where at the beginning where you just you try to dunk and get rejected by the rim. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted them to put that in. I was like, dude, I think because it, it lines up with him saying you're a loser. So it's like it's part of it matches with the, the yeah. actual song. Right then, but that was funny. That was in front of Craig's old house. I forget what we were filming for. I don't even know. Aaron might have just been filming us. Um, but yeah, I got rejected. Oh by Dude, those, those little clips in, in those parts, like, add that personality. And, uh, like, a lot of people are not doing that in skateboarding right now with parts. Like, it's just, like, it's strictly business sometimes. And uh, everyone's afraid to make fun of themselves. And I think the the best people and the best parts are the ones with those little clips, like I always like to see a good, like funny fall or like, you know, stupid. The whole thing is like, even in the beginning when Danny Garcia is sitting there and he's like, focus the board and then he kicks it out of the way. It's like, Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if, if you, if you watch all the clips, most of them is like me being an idiot or like me getting fucked with. And it's like, I'm a, dude who plays on a piece of wood for a living like how serious do i need to take myself this is we're having fun man like yeah i'm totally fine being self-deprecating and when 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 i saw the part being constructed like people we would just laugh at those clips because it was just so funny to me so i loved that I, i and i think it does give a bit of personality it's like dude don't take things so serious it's just like now when it's like slow mo of some dude like flipping his hair for like 45 seconds zoom yeah, in and you're just like okay dude we we, we get it we get it and then there's like an cool. hour of that it's a little much yes and then um okay so after what if i think maybe uh like get familiar your part in that maybe came out next yep no, yeah um, that was it's it's funny because i had been talking to chris hall about he he was talking about doing a video for probably eight years 
Yeah. And it was like, I was always like, I'm down, dude. Just let me know when. And then like, yeah. finally, like after What If came out. And this was pretty quick after. Um, yeah, I think they came out like a year apart from each other. Yeah. And I had some of that stuff was probably... I was probably filming it at the time that what if came out because that's, you know, after the knee, it took me a probably two or three years to really feel comfortable and like go for shit. So, you know, that what if stuff was like, really, it was mainly like that two years before it came out 2005. Yeah. And then at that time I just felt so confident and so happy that I could just try whatever I wanted. And my confidence was growing that like, I mean, that was, it was basically how my career was because when, when I came up, like that's all that mattered was filming. So we filmed every single day. Like I, yeah. I was, lucky, I was lucky to have Aaron as my filmer where it was just like, I had someone who was willing to film me every single day. So we just went out every day, every which, day. Which Aaron is this? Uh, Aaron Brown. He owns small wheels with me. Okay, cool. And he's, uh, he's now the globe team manager and, and, and does all that stuff. You probably recognize him if you saw him. All right. And, yeah. um, Dude, I just thought that video was cool, was real cool, and you being in that video was real cool because it was like an independent video that was getting a lot of shine in a time when independent videos weren't really getting a lot of shine, and it was like an East Coast filmer with mostly East Coast dudes, and and there you were in the mix. Like I yeah. just I thought that was pr- like a good contrast because like dude, Gons had a part in that video. They like, want had a part in that video. What's up? They want had a part in that video. Day one, okay, they're another West Coast guy, but then like, uh, like Bobby Warris had a part in that video, and then um, I was really digging uh, Casey Rigney in oh, that dude, video. Like, that dude, so that good. dude should have been a that dude should have been such a fucking legend, and dude. so fucking talented and technical and, and just really really good. Yeah, he he uh, didn't he didn't he didn't get the shine. I think it was like just kind of like his sponsors, like arcade wasn't really doing that much stuff for him. And yeah, I mean, in that era, there was just, there were so many good dudes and like, there wasn't a lot of spots open. There wasn't a lot of possibilities. Like none of these big brands were there. So it was, it was still in a, a bit of the, the struggle phase of like kind of puffy shoes and, and all yeah. that stuff. And people didn't really stand out, but dude, Rigney's part in that was insane. I, when I saw the lineup, I was like, Holy shit, I get to be in a video with these dudes. Like, for yeah. Sure. I was super, super stoked. That was some of my, that was probably, probably from after what if till the blind video came out was, was, I feel like my best skateboarding. I mean, 2008 is when I shattered my humerus and that's when everything kind of, kind of started to end. But that, uh, that that three year period was definitely the best. And like, the the last trick that I have in the get familiar part it was like front crook down like flip to fakie at uh, Pier Seven. Okay. Or, uh, sorry, Seventh uh, Street. So like a, a story about that trick was like back in the days at the Venice Pits, um, I was there with a the Gideon and my brother and a, and a bunch of people. Um, and this dude was like, "Hey, can I shoot photos of you?" And I was like, "Yeah." I was like just doing front crooks on the ledge, and one kind of like spun, and I was like. I think I could nollie back so I flip out of this. And so, like, I was like, yo, Gideon, check this out. And he was right behind me, front crook, nollie back so I flip, perfect, perfect. And I was like, oh my God. And then I tried to film it for like, I don't know, three or four hours and I couldn't do it. I, n- I never could do it again until that day. And oh, that wow. day, we, 
uh, Ortiz was there and it probably took me 30 minutes. Like it was super easy. I just fucking, for some yeah. reason it just worked. So that was, that was like kind of like a, a, a little ode to, to me never getting that trick. And I was like, dude, I have to get one of these on film for my life. I taught, I was skated with Gideon like a month ago and we were talking about that. And he was like the only person that saw it. He saw it. He was right behind me. He was the only person that saw it. It's always good to have that story of greatness. That uh, Get lucky, man. I'm yeah. Glad someone, I'm glad someone witnessed it. All right. So you talk about the end of uh, being in Get Familiar. And then you said that kind of led into uh, the blind video that came out in 2009. Was that like, was that your last part? Like your full last, like full. Yeah. Part. I, was, I mean, to be honest with you, that was like some of my best skating. I, I feel. Um, okay. So it was just like, I was fucking feeling really good on my board. And I think it was, I was kind of seeing that like, my career wasn't going to pan out financially because like I couldn't get a shoe sponsor. The board money was getting lower and lower. And it was just like, man, am I going to be able to do this? And then power footwear came along. So I was like, Oh shit. So I got paid from them pretty well for, you know, a year or two or something like that. And I made some pretty good royalties, which that, that basically kind of helped get me out of financial trouble. Like I would like, 30 grand in taxes or some shit um but so like that at that period it was kind of like out of desperation but like i felt so good on my skateboard and i was like fuck it i'm like God, i would need i was never fully satisfied with any part that i've ever put out i think that's just a, a skater thing like i tell our clients that all the time like dude that you'll never be fully satisfied but there'll be another one so and this one i was kind of like all right this might be the one and then, so I'm, I'm feeling super good on my skateboard, whatever we go to, I get a line, uh, on these little flat bars. And then there was this rail that I always wanted to skate. And I wasn't really a rail skater, but it was like by my high school and by my junior high. And it's like probably nine or 10 really long stairs. It's probably like 25 feet long or something like that. And it's pretty mellow and there's grass on both sides and the, the stairs are real wide. So it's pretty safe. It's a pretty safe rail. But we went one day and magically the gate was open. That's always locked. And I grinded it in probably, I don't know, 20 minutes. Like it was pretty easy. And I was like, oh my God. Like, so like, I'm starting to think about this part, like, holy shit, I'm going to have like a well-rounded fucking really good part. Like I'm, I'm feeling this. So like a few months later, I go back and I was like, I want to ollie into the street because you land and it's like a real quick sidewalk. And probably 20, 30 tries in, I try to, I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to stand up on this one. Stand up, board slips out into the grass. Both my heels catch the rail, oh. put my arm down and just shatter my humerus bone. Oh. Yeah. I, it's funny because Aaron still has the slam, but it's never been unearthed. But I made myself watch it just to like mentally be like, no, nah, I can come back from this. But that was kind of the start to the end. I mean, I was still pro for a while after, but like I couldn't skate for like nine months. Um, I started working back at Liberty again and then just to like, you know, make ends meet. Cause you know, financially it wasn't going yeah. super well. And then like two years after that, you know, I was still skating and, and doing my thing, but I was working more at Liberty and was kind of the manager of the shop. And then that's when the team manager position, Paul Sharp, who was the team manager before me went to Etnies and bought in those dudes were like, Hey, is this something you want to do? And I was like, 100% I do like, let's do this. So that was the, 
kind of the start to the end of my career. I was still pro for like another year or two, but it was just like, at that point I was like, you know what, like give my spot to somebody else. All right. And uh, I definitely want to talk to you about the, uh, the second phase of your professional career. But uh, before we get to that, I just want to remind all the listeners out there once again, that bet online is here for you. It is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Yes. The NBA is in full swing. Hockey's going college basketball is heating up. The final four is here going through March madness, the tournament. You all know about it. It's almost over. And so is the $100,000 bracket madness contest as bet online is the spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Yes. Bet online has you covered for all the news scores and odds associated with the NCAA tournament. And it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. James LA born and bred. I know he's going to go put some money on UCLA. Just like me, we're going to cheer for the underdog going up against, I think they're going against Gonzaga. It's going to be tough, but you know, I'll be placing that bet exclusively on bet online. It is your online sportsbook experts. Hopefully UCLA pulls off this win. I get a big one-time score off that game and you best believe I'll be taking those winnings straight to ebay.com slash sneakers. That's right. Whether you're looking for rare dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you're looking for on eBay with their authenticity, authenticity guarantee. Your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators that verify the box logo stitching and dozens of other inspection points for pure maximum authenticity guarantee. And it comes with that tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and is customized with the sneakers details. And that guarantee also protects sellers with a verified return process. And the best news of all, it's free to sell sneakers over $100 on eBay. That's right. With other sites taking as much as 25%, it's really a no-brainer as to where you should sell your sneakers. So be sure to list your kicks on ebay.com sneakers and roll in the dough. And we go back to James talking about his transition uh, from the role as a team rider on blind professional and then uh, his transition to role as the team manager. And um, we, we talked about that a little bit, talking about him getting injured and then that eventually kind of phasing him into the, uh, you know, team role. How long? So you said Paul Sharp was the old team manager. And of course he uh, rode for Supernaut and was a part of the, uh, the tilt mode. Um, dude, huge pop, legendary pop, um, really good style for that guy. And so he was out and that brings in James Craig as the team manager. And was it wasn't just blind, right? It was kind of for like the entire dwindle camp. Yeah, it was for all of dwindle. So at the time it was almost cliche, blind, um, dark star and enjoy. Cause all I right. mean, every brand has like a brand manager, but I was basically like the dudes who was help, helping to book flights and get, dude's boards and if there was a trip I was like the driver you know so um and it's 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 weird because like I feel like team managing like you have to have the right personality and I it, it suited me really well I talked about it like 
probably in 2004 with somebody who worked at doing I was like, yeah, dude, I want to be a team manager someday. And they're like, why would you want to do that? I'm like, dude, I just want to help my friends. Like yeah. I work, you know, work with skaters and kind of get to live the skate lifestyle. But then, you know, all you got to do is be a little bit more responsible and make sure dudes get to the demo and do all that stuff. And, you know, unfortunately for me, a lot of the guys who I worked with were, you know, my peers before that. So it's like, they, they, they treated me with respect. It wasn't just like, Oh, he's the TM or whatever. Fuck this guy. Um, so it was, it was, it was super fun. I liked it. You know, I got to travel around a bunch. I got to take care of dudes and, uh, you know, make sure they, they, they got what they needed. There was certain, certain things that are frustrating about it when it's like, I'm leaving to China tomorrow. Can I get a box? And I'm like, dude, you know how this works. You don't, it's dwindle is a, is a, it was a giant beast. And it's like, you can't just walk back there like the world days and take whatever you want. Like there's a process to this man. And you're not making my life any easier. Cause I'm the one who multiple times a week has to go to the warehouse manager and like, Hey, can you rush this through as opposed to sales orders, which are making us money. And you'd just be like, so bummed on me. So I'm just like, dude, it's the guys like, I'm sorry, but, but yeah, it was, it was awesome. That was in, so I started in 2010 official pro stuff stopped at 2012. Um, but I worked there from 2010 until 2018. So eight years. All right. And I have one question about team managing. Um, is this, a, does it always take an hour to get everybody to the van? Um, it depends. It depends on the squad, but for the most part, there is always a lag. Like you're going to have one or two dudes on, on there that are just, just lagging. So yeah, like we've been taught, like, uh, like me and you have talked about and how I uh, talked about in the intro, I'm uh, driving around the, uh, young money skate team yep he's on these road trips and uh yeah the the lag is real um (laughs) i would just i would usually just lie and be like hey we're leaving at like 10 30 some people would come down but really we're trying to leave at like 11 you know yeah and then at then there's the point where it's like you have to go knock on doors and like physically like come on let's go right now i'm not leaving this room until you Put down the put down the blunt, put down the, the weed, let's go. But yeah, it's it's just people don't take it seriously. So it's like, I mean, and I get it. You're just out there skating and having fun. Yeah. And then uh so um who are who are uh, some of the guys that you were responsible for like bringing in to the dwindle camp? Like who are some of your like big signings as a TM? Um well or, or big was- firings. It, it wasn't really me because that was always up to the brand manager and the, and the team writers. Okay. Um, there, that was like probably one of the most difficult parts of the job is like, I would see talent and I would be like, Hey dude, this dude fits perfectly. Like, what do you think Louie? I mean, that's a good example is like Frankie Villani was skating for black label. And then he, I, I remember seeing on Instagram and I was like, I just hit him up. I'm like, Hey, are you getting boards from black label anymore? And he's like, no, I'm not. And I was like, do you want dwindle boards? And he was like, sure. And I was like, dude. And like, I talked to all the brand managers and was like, dude, this dude is so sick. And Louis, his favorite skater and enjoys one of his favorite companies. And I sent the footage to Roger Bagley and, and Louis. And it was like, what do you guys think? Like this dude's so sick. Like if you skate with him in person, he will blow your fucking mind. And his sponsor me tape at the time was like, it's kind of what it is now, but it was like a little bit more of like the wacky tricks. 
And yeah. they're like, ah, I don't know, dude. He's like kind of just playing around. And then, you know. Like, wait, hold on, Louie. You made a whole career out of playing around. Exactly. That's why I thought it was like a no-brainer. And they kind of passed. And then he gets on primitive and then starts killing it. And it's like, Louie hits me up all the time. Like, hey, does Frankie want to ride for Enjoy? And I'm like, no, he's good. He's He found his spot and you passed yeah. on him. <laughs> It's so funny. It's just like, I mean, that was with like a lot of people. Um, I mean, what I did there was like, I was really close with Luis Cruz, who's the, the almost brand manager. So I kind of took a special role with almost to like create like a bit of a new culture because a lot of that was like, you know, Rodney day one and Haslam. And when you have three dudes that are that amazing at skateboarding, but also like super critical of other people, it's yeah. damn near impossible for them to agree to put someone on the team. Eunice was like one of the only ones. And then so like with Eunice, it was like, and obviously Eunice was like a really good homie of mine and him and Louis Marnell would come and stay at my house. And, you know, we got really close and, you know, when Louis yeah. passed, it was kind of like, it was, I mean, obviously super terrible thing, but it kind of like made our friendship that much stronger. Cause it was just like, I mean, we were there for each other, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough thing. And Eunice was still pretty young at the time. And it was, you know, he's a, he's an angry little man sometimes. So I was always there as like, you know, when you're a team manager and people are staying with you, it's like, yes, you, you're helping them get to the places and to get the boards and stuff like that. But you're also like a psychologist when they're freaking out and you're trying to like calm them down and walk them through something. Or if they're going through something in their personal life, you have to like, you know, you have to be there for them to help guide them, you know, and be like a, a, a parental figure, you know, which can be difficult sometimes. So. Um, and and uh, a, a lot of the times, like you, you're, you've seen the exact same scenario play out 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So like, like you're like, dude, I've been through this situation. This is what you need to do. Like, and they're like, and then, you know, people either listen or they don't. Yeah. And then like, so with almost, it was like, you know, Eunice was super hyped on Yuri and he was on blind. So I had to like help do that to where it was like, Yuri wanted to skate for almost. And it was like, it was a pretty big internal issue. And like, I really helped, you know, kind of patch that together. And I brought on dudes like Tyson and, you know, that almost was the brand that I kind of, I think had the most input on um because most of the other brands it's like enjoy it's like i would try to bring dudes to them and it just they they, they have their own pro louis has his own process you know enzo was was one kid that i helped with uh with enjoy um but a lot of times there would be people like trent mcclung or somebody and everyone would just pass and it's like dude now he gets a chance on primitive and like he's fucking killing it dude like so good um dude, so I, yeah I, was, I, I ran into trent in uh, in uh vegas Oh, sick. Oh, yeah. You so you ran into the to the primitive ran into the, the primitive team at a street spot, like heard they were in town, ended up we were staying at the same casino. Oh, sick. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um so well, yeah. uh, it was it was it was a difficult thing, but you know, there was dudes that that I definitely helped and almost was probably the, the one that I kind of helped the most. All right. And uh what do, what do you think as, as an alumni, what do you think about today's blind roster? Um, it's, it's um, obviously it's changed and the brand, you know, went through a, a big change. I think it's, I like what Bill does because he's like, he, he goes after dudes who are just blue collar that aren't getting love from people and they fucking work their asses off. And it's like, it's rad to see because it's like, you know, they're constantly putting out stuff. Obviously they're going kind of with the heritage stuff. 
um it's it's pretty diverse over there where it's like the dudes can skate anything you know um but it's like you know i, I think it's rad it's, it's good to see you know jake got on there and it's because you know sometimes yeah, the industry doesn't show love and when someone gets a chance it's like dude this dude could go win the olympics like how insane is that that he couldn't yeah. get no love you know so i think it's rad i, I like i like what bill does he gives he gives people a chance that, that kind of weren't able to get a chance yes definite shout out to my boy jake alardi recently went pro for blind you will see him at the olympics and then also shout out to a fellow uh vermont native i was born in vermont if you guys don't know i didn't spend much time there but i still got like i still got vermont in my heart so shout out to jordan maxim uh yeah. fellow vermonter and then dude tj rogers is probably one of my favorite humans on this planet like one of the most amazing like just most genuine good-hearted people you'll ever meet in your life yeah tj is awesome he's just like a, a, a feel-good guy if you're like not if you're feeling down when he sees you he's gonna lift you up because he's so pumped on everything and, and he can do anything he wants to on a skateboard oh it's insane the control is so fucked it is crazy. if there's a trick he hasn't done yet it's just because he has not decided to do it yet yep 100 percent. and he can switch and he switched front side through 60 wallenberg it's like what yes uh he can do big big gaps he can do the most technical stuff on ledges manny's he's got the kid's got it all yeah and, big, uh, big love. glad to see him kind of getting some love out there and some recognition for what he's doing no doubt but uh, also, James, uh, speaking as a pro skater and as a team manager, I think you are actually the only person who can say they have won King of the Road as both a skater and as a team manager. This is 100%. I believe this is true. Unless, because back in the day, it was weird. You could, you could bring a team manager that was more like a skater. So it was like, there well, might have yeah, been. Like, does Jamie Thomas count in this? I don't, yeah, think, I don't know. See, that's because, like, like, I mean, technically, he's everything on that team. Yeah, yeah. So, but, um, but I have one, two. You know, I'm two for two. Yeah, um, can't say much for Mike Sinclair. You know, he's zero for four. And so, you've done it in the uh, pre pre Vice era and the Vice era, which is also pretty cool. So, um, you actually got to live out King of the Road champion on a reality television show in primetime television yeah, it, was, it was pretty wild I, I would randomly get spotted at places i remember we were we were doing hey stop Slow down sir charles i'm surprised they haven't had, stop <laughs> freak out if like someone rings the doorbell or something oh geez uh, my dogs freak out when other dogs appear on the television that's amazing like, if there's another dog on television, we have to change the channel because uh, Sweepy will literally jump, try to jump up onto, like, our our uh, our, our um, cabinet, our entertainment center that uh, holds our television. Like, she's trying to get into the TV to get at that dog. That's insane. I don't even think my dog's noticed that. Hold on. She, I'm going to go stop this dude. I'll be back. And she, she also hates Game of Thrones. <laughs> Like if, when the dragons pop up, dude, she is not in. Like she goes nuts. But um, enough about television, or not enough about television, because we were talking about you uh, being a television star. Yeah, King of the Road. It was pretty random. We were doing X Games Minneapolis. I, think, I don't know, 
five years ago or something. And I'm walking down the street with like Malto and Shane O'Neill and like the most insane dudes and three different people while walking down the street were like, what? I saw you on King of the Road. And I'm like, I'm standing next to Shane O'Neill. Like, what? <laughs> it was wild, dude. I'll get, I would get noticed in random places. But I can say that the Vice version was way easier to do than the, uh, than the old version. I mean, dude, we drove probably like, we drove from here up to Portland in 2007 when we won. Yeah. We from Portland all the way over to like Minneapolis and Milwaukee. And oh, yeah. Were, the old ones like encompassed the whole United States. It was and, insane. Uh, each team took like a different route. So like you'd have one team that would start in Miami one team that would start in like Atlanta, one team that would start in New York. And then like everybody would end up in LA. Yeah. It was, it was insane. We, we, and no one could stand Weiss. So I was shotgun the whole time. Oh, geez. With, with his terrible jokes. <laughs> oh my God. It was fun though. It was great memories. And so uh, what, what does, what does wifey think of her reality star husband? Um, I don't think she cares really. We, <laughs> it's funny because like we, she's been with me when I'll, I'll get noticed. Like, yeah. Like we went to Colorado with her family. Like, I don't know. This is probably five or six years ago, but, uh, but we were like walking down the street in downtown Denver and I was with like the whole family and like these two dudes were freaking out. They're like, James Craig, James Craig. And her family was like, what? Like, they just thought it was so weird. They're like, you're famous? And I'm like, not really. And then we, like, go to the local liquor store on, like, the next trip. It might have been that same trip. I, I can't remember. But we go to, like, the local liquor store. And I'm, you know, getting a 12-pack of beer or whatever. And I, yeah, he's like, oh, can I see your ID? And he's like, I knew it, man. I knew it was you. And then, like, uh, her, her sister's boyfriend at the time was like, oh, you know who he is? He's like... Yeah, man, have you seen this guy's hard flips? It's just like uh, <laughs> that one. I got kind of embarrassed, but I was just like, I'm, I'm stoked if people recognize me. I like to, I'll give respect back. So it's funny when it happens with their family because then they're like, kind of, they kind of trip out. But Lisa's used to it. She's, she's that's awesome because uh, like what little bit of like internet notoriety and kind of like what small amount of like recognition I've got for myself in skateboarding. Uh, like when like i'll get recognized in like eboard but just by my like i'll run into people that i know in eboard just from being in eboard for so long and you know being in the scene for so long but i'll be with like lydia's parents like when they first started when i first started meeting them and they would come to tampa to hang out with us like we would go to eboard and somebody always would end up saying hi to me and they'd be like who is that and i'll be like oh you know that's like my lawyer and they're like wait what I'm like, well, it's not really my lawyer, but it's this skater kids I know, dad, who is a lawyer. Who's a lawyer? <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's just like the, the, you know, the owner of the pizza place I used to work at will come out and say, hi, how do you know that guy? Like, oh, you know, that's, that's my pizza guy. Like, so just little things like that. And then like uh, what really legitimized me to my wife's father was he was randomly uh, like flipping through channels and it ended up watching an X games, uh, some type of X games where a shot showed up and he was wearing a Shaquifa shirt. Oh my God. That's amazing. And he was, just, and then it kind of clicked and he was just like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. 
I thought this was just like a little joke you have with your friends. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is. And they're like, but like this guy's wearing it. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he's in on the joke. Like, and, and it's been on the cover of Thrasher magazine multiple times. Well, and also like I was actually on a, a vacation um, hanging out with uh, my wife's uh, mom and, and stepdad. And we ended up at a, at the uh, Crudco skate shop in Rochester, New York. And um, I open up a Thrasher, and there's a, and Kyle Walker has a double page real ad wearing a Shaquifa shirt. <laughs> and I'm like, oh wow, like cool, check this out. And they were just like, oh, okay, all right. So like, like it kind of got me some like legitimacy in her family to see the like what I was doing was actually like way bigger than than what they thought and how I you know, described it to them. So it's good when you get that cred with the, with the, the parental cred. Yeah, of course, of course. So, uh, yeah, that's always super cool when you can actually like not flex your fame, but when like your career is legitimized through a stranger. Yeah, for sure. hundred percent. I mean, I'll take it. It's like, dude, if, if they're willing to come up to me or they want a photo or something like, sure, yeah, I'm down, down for my fans. And uh, speaking of like legitimizing ourselves to our wives, uh, I know you guys are like currently, you said you were living with uh, your wife's parents right now while you're hunting for a house. How's the house hunt going? Uh, It's good. I mean, we have like, we have a a good amount saved up and we're looking around, but it's like the housing market's super crazy right now. Like houses are selling for way over market. So it's like, we're we're comfortable here. We have enough money and, uh, we're just going to kind of wait until things yeah, wait for the right time and opportunity in the right spot. And I mean, I never thought that I'd actually be able to do this. Like, I mean, I couldn't do it with my family. So it's like yeah. the fact that you, this is the first time I haven't paid rent in like, since I was like 17 or 16. All right. And uh, I'm going through the same thing too. I'm well, uh, me and my lady just got married. So we're saving up for a house and uh, very exciting news i just got my very first credit card at, at 37 years old um w- uh i never participated in the credit program because i got denied for some credit cards when i was young and i was just like well fuck these people i don't i don't, I don't want their money like i don't want to spend i never believed in spending money that you don't have uh i always saw my friends getting in credit card debt and it was just like never wanted to be a part of it so i never did and now I'm like, holy shit, like you have to have these things if, yep. you know, if you want to get a home loan or if you want to do anything in life, it seems like you have to provide credit history. So I'm now officially a member of the credit card program. I hope to be making my payments on time and, uh, you know, getting a house very soon. Yeah, it's, it's weird how they like they want you to go like you have to go into debt to actually go buy a house. And that like, makes no sense to me. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense to me, but you know, I, I, my brain's a little different than everybody else's. So, uh, this is true, Scotty, figuring it out and I'm going to participate begrudgingly. (laughs) Just buy just regular (laughs) stuff like gas and stuff like that. And then just pay it off. Yeah. Yeah. I got a plan. I got a plan for all of that. So we'll, we'll be doing that. But then, um, so you were team managing, uh, we'll get, we'll get back to, to the, uh, the conversation at hand. You were team managing and you were also, uh, working with us at the border judging contests, 
for quite some time while also retaining your team manager duties at dwindle. Um, when did, uh, when did the TM stuff come to an end at dwindle and were you expecting that? Was it a surprise? Uh, what, did you kind of see writing on the wall or was it something that blindsided you? Um, I was pretty blindsided by it, but I wasn't really surprised because like, I mean, Dwindle was kind of hurting at the time, but it was just like, yeah, I just got called in the Bod's office one day and he was just like, uh, I don't know how to say this any other way, but we're going to have to let you go. But they were like, to be honest with you, like it was, it was a bummer, but it was like, it was they were really, really cool about it. They gave me like a year's severance and like they really, oh, okay. they, they did me really solid. Like I know Bob didn't want to do it. And, you know, Gary and the dudes at Globe were like really cool about it. And like, they didn't have to do that. They could have just let me go. And that, that would have been that. But um, I think that they, they had seen all the years of work and, you know, they wanted to, to do me a solid. So they did that. But it's like, I mean, I had been talking, me and Clem, because we were doing so much judging and traveling and doing all the, the contests and stuff, um, we had talked about me possibly having a role at Excel before all this. And, you know, we kind of had a plan of like, hey, let's start bringing you along slowly. And then once, you know, you, you got everything down, then, you know, we can bring you on full time and pay you and, and, and do all that stuff. Um, so when, when Dwindle let me go, I mean, I was instantly like, even though I got a good severance and I could have chilled, it was like, dude, I was on the phone to like Nike, Adidas, to everybody like, hey, dude, I'm out of a job. Because I, I, I had interviewed for the Nike TM position before. Um, and I was basically one of two people who was going to get it. And the other person got it, which was uh, Ryan Bobier. Um, So it was just like, and they had, they had, there was multiple times after that where they were like, Hey, we think that the TM position is going to open up. And, you know, I always saw it as a possibility. And I think when that happened, Clem was just kind of like, well, I don't, I don't think they wanted to lose me to like a Nike or something like that, which I, I'm very, very grateful for that. He, him and George believed in me that much where they just wanted to, you know, just start paying me instantly. So, you know, much, much props to them because, if I would have went and worked for Nike or something like that, like I would have never been able to join Excel. So I got, I got really lucky and I owe everything to Mr. Ryan Clements and George Angel. I, I uh, agree with that sentiment minus George. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, man. I love you, George. You know, this. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, I got to get that in there though. Uh, me and George have been at, uh, mental and uh physical competition our entire lives starting off with our respected high schools playing each other in high school tennis Ooh, um yeah me and george were both on our high school tennis teams um we did not play each other when our schools played i will say that scotty conley and the bloomingdale bulls uh absolutely destroyed george angel and the riverview sharks <laughs> that. it was a team effort but me and George did not actually physically cross paths on the tennis court. But uh, we are, we have always like jab at each other. And anytime there's a sport to be played, me and George are right next to each other, trying to compete with each other. And that's been like that since we were in high school. Yeah. George might be one of the most competitive people I've ever met. Oh, he is so competitive. He, oh man. Like 
he, he hates to lose more than he loves to win. This is true. This is true. And like his, his the, the agony on his face at a loss sometimes is some of the most fulfilling things if you're the one to uh, hand him that loss. For sure. And George <laughs> likes to throw out some outlandish shit. So, yes. <laughs> and so, um, okay. So, like we said, uh, you're now working with Ryan and George at Excel management, uh, managing some of the, the bigger dudes in skateboarding. Uh, so who are some of the guys that you directly work with on a day-to-day basis? Um, well, I brought aboard, you know, Frankie Villani, um, Fabiano Delfino, uh, little Gavin Botger, Gavo, his, him and his dad, Scott, super rad. I think that kid's yeah. going to have a bright future. Uh, Yuto Horogome, um, I help with, I help Tyson and some dudes and I'm, I'm, there's a couple other people that we're talking to. I'm talking to that, that kid, little junior who blew up the internet with his pig part. And, uh, so that's, that's, that's most of, of my squad. There's, there's a few others, but I mean, we do everything by kind of by committee. Like obviously we work more day to day with certain people, but you know, yeah, yeah. we, we kind of do everything as, as a team. All right. But yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been super interesting. It's super fun because, you know, I never really had to deal in that side of like contracts and stuff like that. And now like doing it and it's, I mean, what I do is so close to like being a team manager, but it's just a more of a personal level. So it's like, you really get to dig in and it's like, like the fact that I just helped Frankie get a, a new balance contract that's going to allow him to buy a house. is just like, it just feels good because Frankie's the best. And yeah, he probably he doesn't even think he's worth that much. When I told him how much the the contract was for, he's like, "I'm not worth that." And I'm like, "Yes, you are. You're worth. Yeah, that. you are, dude. You are totally hundred hundred percent are worth whatever number James negotiated for you." Well, that was the easiest negotiation ever. It was two emails. That's dope. And, like, but, I mean, but well, Bobby, here's, here's the video party put out. Here's the last one he put out. Here's the one. Like, come on, guys, let's yeah, get this. Nah, it was super easy. Seb was Seb and those guys at New Balance are super easy to work with. So is Joe at Dickies. Like, you know, Fabiana and Vans took four and a half months, you know, and we had to like play hardball. But we I did my job and you know, we we stuck it out and we got her something that, that's fair. You know, I think she's probably worth more because she's so awesome, but that's just how the business goes, you know. And it, it's yeah. rad to be able to help walk someone through that and you know, really fight for them and go through the contract and be like, hey can you take this out or change this stuff that most people probably wouldn't see. And now with like learning from, you know, Ryan and George and, and just really digging in, it's like, it's been really good to, to do this stuff. Cause those yeah. are like, those are some of the, the contracts that I've fully done myself where it's just yeah, like, yeah. cause in the beginning it was like, Ryan would always help me and, you know, bringing me along a little slow. Well, I would say I'm coming along a little slow. I'm always apprehensive just to dive into things. I want to like, understand what i'm doing before i do something and i want to be good at it so you know it's it's been a fulfilling process and i and i like i like helping people so ultimately you know i'm I'm still kind of a a team manager yeah and uh we've watched fabiana come up through the ranks down here in florida because she used to skate like our local events and uh just to see where where she has taken her skating to and how she has progressed and now to see her with with a santa cruz board and the uh the vans capsule with her own apparel like all that shit is super sick to see and uh it's good to know that uh it's it's one of us like a a real skateboarder uh behind the scenes making making sure all that stuff happens 
and making sure that uh, the the skaters are, are treated well and treated fair and, and paid well for their services. So, uh, dude, props to you. Thank you, sir. Um, dude, you're doing it from from what I hear from from me, like sticking my ear in during some of those conference calls and just like shit I hear around the office. Uh, it's all good things about you, Mr. Craig. And um, thanks, Scotty. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And I just thought, I love that you're a part of what we do. Um, I love to see you when you get to come to town and hang out. Uh, I love the fact that you're at our company Christmas party every year. Um, not this last year uh, for obvious reasons. Couldn't make the trip from California to Florida within the heat of COVID over Christmas holidays. But uh, I look forward to seeing you at the next Christmas party for sure. And hopefully before that, uh, definitely before that, um, hopefully we get back to work. Uh, hopefully we're together soon on West Coast or East, foreign country or domestic. Um, I can't yeah. wait. And I, can't, I can't wait. Maybe, maybe next time you're out here too, we can hit some Hawaiian gardens, go play some poker. Dude, Hawaiian gardens, or we can hit up the Hartwell Golf Club. Uh, Super down. Uh, dude, I love both of those places. Very close to our house in Lakewood. I always make a trip to uh, Hartwell in Long Beach to get a little golf in and then Hawaiian Gardens for a little poker. And, uh, dude, love it when I'm out there. Love it anywhere I get to see James Craig. So uh, on behalf of the Border Podcast, uh, be sure to tell your dogs Jack and Sir Charles what's up for me. Uh, I hope to see you and the pup soon. Thank you so much for taking the time out. Uh, good luck on getting your second round of vaccine vaccination shots tomorrow. Thank you, and, sir. Uh, once again, this is the Border Podcast. I'm Scotty the Body, and that's going to wrap things up. So we are going to cue the Capadonna. James, I love you, brother. Thank you so much. Love you too, Scotty. Anytime, my dude. I got you. All right. Symptoms that bit me. I feel for you victims.